Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday episode, and today we have on Fred Turcott. He is the CFO of Haggerty, uh, which is a really fascinating company. And I kind of knew about it going in, um, so I'm glad we were able to talk to him. Do you want to give maybe a little preview uh, and some of your highlights? Yeah, so he's a CFO. He has decades of experience in insurance, so it's great to hear him talk about how their insurance model works. They are for enthusiast car owners. And they're serving this niche of the market. They also have this data marketplace on valuations for these cars, which is very important for this market. And it is one of those idiosyncratic businesses that feels like it's serving this strange niche that makes a lot of sense. And then on top of that, they're adding all these sorts of other things on top. So driver's club, um, these garages that people can store them in, these events, the magazine, plenty of other stuff that he goes into. I'm actually forgetting it now. I'll have to re-listen. But I learned a ton about insurance and the enthusiast market in general. So if you're if you like insurance companies, I know they're not sexy, but they are incredible businesses when run correctly. And it seems like they have, you know, something good going here. Yeah. And I actually, I reached out to uh, a family member who is a car enthusiast before this, just to ask if you'd ever heard of Haggerty and they are in the collectible car universe. This is a very well-known brand. He basically said everyone loves them. Uh, and then Fred even mentions the net promoter score, which I think is a testament to just how much people appreciate Haggerty. Uh, But before we get to the interview, I do want to talk about our sponsor for the episode. It's Masterworks. Uh, All right. If if you took contemporary art, the likes of Andy Warhol, Pablo Picasso, Banksy, and turned it into a stock, it would have outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% over the past 25 years. That stat really surprised me. Um, And we're kind of excited to share that you can use our promo code to get in, uh, to skip the wait line. Uh, and I guess a little bit of background on Masterworks. They have recruited a team of researchers that spend, uh, they say, all day pouring over 5 million data points to find particular artworks that could soar in price. Uh, and they go through, they lock down private art dealers to buy and sell artworks on your behalf. There's over 400,000 members that already have joined the platform. And so, Using our code, go well, go to masterworks.com, use the promo code CCM to skip their sign-up waitlist. Again, it's masterworks.com, promo code CCM. Uh, I've you can become an owner of uh of some of the potentially a Banksy or Picasso artwork. I know it kind of gets lumped together, but the uh you can call yourself an owner. I think that's the coolest part. Uh, but they also have had really solid returns. I would also have a disclosure. I got to say, see important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. But once again, promo code CCM, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a really cool platform. Without further ado, though, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome in. Today we are joined by Fred Turcott. He is the Chief Financial Officer at Haggerty. Um, I imagine a lot of our listeners probably haven't heard of Haggerty. So uh, maybe give, I guess, a one-liner on, on what Haggerty does. And then can you talk a little bit about yourself as well so people know who Fred Turcott is? Kind of how did you end up at Haggerty? Sure. Thank, thanks, Ryan. Uh, Haggerty, uh, simply put, is an automotive lifestyle brand uh, whose purpose it is to save driving and car culture for future generations. And our mission is to build a business that's big enough to achieve that purpose. And so that is what we've undertaken. Uh, you know, I've been with the company 15 years. The company has you know, started its auto and auto business back in 92. Uh, and it's... Um, its original, its origins date back to about 1983 when it began writing collector boat business. Uh, and the addressable market in boat uh, was fairly limited. And the construct, though, or concept of guaranteed value, uh, which is the, the, the kind of the product upon which Haggerty is built, was extended 
to automobiles uh, in 92. Uh, in terms of my background, I've been a CFO for quite a while. I've been in the insurance business about 32 years, having worked for companies like White Mountains uh, and Travelers Insurance, uh, as well as um, a company called One Beacon. So I've had a, a fair, fair amount of insurance experience, a lot of uh, merger acquisition uh, experience, and uh, and then just kind of spread that across sort of international uh, footprint. So I'll you know, be running companies, uh, international companies or global companies. And what is enthusiast vehicle insurance? That's kind of, that's how Haggerty described his core business. I don't think it's something a lot of people even know exists. So maybe what is that niche that you guys fill? Yeah, no, I would, I would say, first of all, let's break it up. Enthusiast, right? So an enthusiast, uh, it represents around 69 million people in the U.S. that call themselves, self-proclaim themselves as a car enthusiast. So these are people that enjoy cars. They enjoy car culture. Uh, they may own uh, classic cars. They may absorb uh, automotive content. Uh, classic car content. Uh, these folks uh, in, you know, attend shows. Uh, they watch uh, content on TV. So they, they like the, 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 the car culture, the vehicle culture, uh, number one. And, and then in terms of insurance, uh, Haggerty provides what we call guaranteed value insurance. So the guaranteed value is uh, a value that we insure to that is uh, actually negotiated between the company uh, and the insured or the insured's agent uh, in our uh, our business, um, you know, it is not a newer car necessarily uh, that would typically depreciate uh, once acquired. Uh, and most cars will depreciate all the way down to what we call salvage value before, you know, as time goes on, the, the car itself will become valuable. So we call it the J curve. And at the bottom of the J curve will typically be uh, what uh, the car is worth uh, at its end. But many of our cars, or most of our cars, appreciate in value uh, because of their uh, provenance, because of their age, uh, because of the market. Uh, could be um, you know, fewer cars built in a certain uh, period of time that uh, are attractive to people, uh, but there are fewer there. So that obviously has a supply and demand effect of increasing value. Uh, so, so enthusiasts, people love cars. Uh, we want to be that steward for those folks that want to do this and, 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 and really uh, enjoy the hobby. And then the insurance element is a product that we provide. And, uh, you know, as, mo as you all know, in most countries and states that people live in, insurance is compulsory. So you, you must have it in order to operate the vehicle. Uh, we play to the, I'll call it the passion side of the business. So mo many of our Enthusiasts enjoy their car. They use it for pleasure, for fun, and for family. Uh, they're not being used for commuting. And in fact, we do not insure cars that are simply used for commuting. We, we insure cars that are sort of that third, second or third vehicle in the household that is driven um, you know, on the weekends and on a nice, beautiful day and on a country road or uh, you know, uh, your, your best version of your day out with your car. And, and so that's really, really where we focus. You kind of, I think you just alluded to it a little bit, but can you give us a sense of the size of the the market that Haggerty is going after? I think you said 69 million uh, car enthusiasts. Uh, that might've been the number you said. What, and, how, and maybe related to how much, uh, how many customers you have today as well. Yeah. I would love to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the advantages we have and one of the reasons why we went public uh, is because of the uh, total addressable market. And we look at the total addressable market in, in a few ways. First of all, one way is, as I described, by uh, enthusiasts. So those that are in, uh, you know, really love, love the collective vehicle market. The other one is vehicles. And so Haggerty has spent quite a bit of time, uh, money and effort, determining how big the market is. And in the U.S., uh, we think there are 43 million vehicles uh, that would fit our program. Uh, and uh, as we think about sort of the size uh, of what we have in those two uh, metrics or those two um, addressable market um, metrics, uh, we have roughly two and a half million members of Haggerty uh, of a pool of 69 million. 
and 69 is just the U.S. So it's it's a bit larger if you were to sort of extrapolate it out from a global perspective. You know, it's it's closer probably to 80 or 85, 90 million. Uh, and then in terms of the vehicles, we insure 2.1 vehicles of the 43 million. So in each each case, roughly four percent of the market. So a uh, lot of lot of uh, runway for us in terms of the opportunity. Uh, the other met metric to look at in terms of total addressable market is premium, written premium. So people paying a premium for their car insurance. Uh, there, in the in the U.S., there's the, the, the total premium uh, is roughly about two hundred and seventy billion dollars. Uh, and in our world, in the collective vehicle world, uh, that uh, that portion is about twelve to fifteen billion. And in terms of the premium that Haggerty has, it's sub one billion. Uh, last year we wrote six hundred seventy-four million. And so again, you know, small percent of a very large addressable market. And one of the things we found when we went public was um, it's 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 surprising to people that collector vehicles would have such a runway, be such a large, um, um, you know, a, a market itself. Uh, something that we've known for a bit of time. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are, miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. Armor All. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to get to the business model because I think people are interested in how, say, a dollar of revenue gets earned for a specialty insurer like you guys. But first, I want to talk about maybe a question on how you're marketing to customers because it seems like the biggest hurdle is to get, and correct me if I'm wrong, to get customers or potential customers to figure out that this type of insurance exists and it's worth it for them. So how are you guys trying to target um, and expand that audience of I forget the exact number for, from the 2.1 million you have now to say the 43 million um, in the U.S. Yeah, uh, in terms of distribution, we can start there and we'll go to marketing. On the distribution side, 45% of our business comes from what we'll call the direct side, which is, you know, people are going to our website and or, and or calling our call center. So we have call centers in, in uh, Dublin, Ohio, in Denver, Traverse City, uh, near Toronto and and, uh, and near London, uh, and so forty-five percent of the business comes from the direct side. Uh, about thirty-two percent comes from roughly you know thirty-three to thirty-five thousand agents uh, spread across each of the jurisdictions in which we operate. Uh, so agents uh, work, work on behalf of um, you know the direct consumer. And then the other piece, which is our, a real growth opportunity for us, is what we're calling national partners. And, and so these are uh, the top insurance companies uh, in, um, in the States, uh, if we just limit it to the U.S. Uh, we have relationships uh, and partnerships with nine of the top 10 uh, insurance companies in the U.S. and 22 of the top 25. And what we've decided to do, and we looked at this uh, when, we, when we were looking at the addressable market and the premium, most of the premium that I quoted, the 12 to $15 billion, uh, sits in the, in the standard market. So it sits in these very large insurance carriers. 
And our, our focus was really to partner to win, you know, provide them a solution for a collective vehicle that's much different than the, uh, I'll call it the standard auto market. Uh, large carriers are very good at processing uh, uh, large volumes of, of, of premium and policies, but they don't understand, you know, in the collective vehicle world, uh, they don't understand parts. Uh, they don't and where to get them. They don't understand valuation, how to value these cars so that you get the right amount of insurance. Uh, and they do not um, excel at claims. Uh, the claims process is uh, that's applied to collective vehicle is the same claim, same claims process that is applied to any other vehicle. Well, in, in our world, um, claims can be very difficult um, from parts finding to uh, getting the right expert repair. Uh, we have a, 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 a roughly 420 or so expert repair uh, uh, network in our network of stations, if you will, or businesses around the country who specialize in collective vehicle repair. So, you know, to someone whose toy is really important to them, uh, we're able to help these large insurance companies through the sale process, through the valuation process, uh, through the the, uh, the claims process, and ultimately, we also add to that uh, storage. We have a series of Haggerty Garage and social locations, six now and more to come, uh, one in Toronto and, and the others in, in the U.S., and these are storage facilities where people are looking to store their toy, their classic vehicle, because they cannot uh, store it at home for lack of space uh, or uh, safety. Um, and so uh, we now have the ability to kind of finish the cycle. You know, we were able to market to them, we're able to sell to them, we're able to provide uh, claims work, valuation work. And, and now we can give them a space, a space where they can store it. So there's a national network being built out of these facilities. You know, in terms of marketing, uh, we are not playing the, the big uh, the big game of um, of typical uh, uh, marketing spend in, in, that you see in uh, in the standard auto insurance market. Uh, uh, many many of those companies that compete head to head obviously compete with uh, very large budgets for marketing. The way we market uh, is grassroots. Uh, we have uh, a series of events that we attend, over 2,500 events in, in the U.S. alone each year. We have teams uh, that are national, uh, with a national reach that are engaging at the local level. <clears throat> we have um, the ability to use our media uh, we have the largest magazine, second largest magazine in the world uh, for for uh, automobiles. So it's it's only second only to one other, and roughly uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand magazines uh, that are <coughs> excuse me printed um, six times a year. So it's it's marketing through events. It's marketing through the, our distribution network. Uh, it's marketing through digital media. It's marketing through traditional media with Google Magazine. All right, that's that's a great overview. Yeah. Um, I think the big question, and this is especially true for a lot of people, don't really understand the insurance model too well. It's a little bit of a black box for them. When Hegarty brings in a dollar of insurance premiums, where does it go, and what are your costs, and how much do you earn on that dollar in profit on average? Sure, you know, and being a public company, I can tell you what we've what we've disclosed, um, but very simply, um, uh, if a dollar of premium uh, comes to Haggerty, first you have to take care of your company, you know, your constituencies that have losses. And so when there is a claim, uh, 41 cents on average is paid in claims from that dollar. Uh, the MGA, which is the, one of our companies that facilitates the sales and the marketing, the underwriting, receives a fee, uh, 32 cents for that work. So that's another 32 cents. Uh, it also has the ability to earn what they call a, uh, a profits commission, which in the US could be up, up to upwards of another 10 cents. 
then finally, you you know, the the underwriting carrier partner we have um, has has its own SG&A costs, which is typically, oh, five to six uh, cents, with the remaining remaining amount being profit. So on a dollar of premium, our business will, will yield somewhere in, uh, you know, the, I'll call it 10, 11 cents category. Okay. That makes sense. And the, I wanted to talk a little bit, do you have anything else or does that kind of cover it? Well, that's, those are the main components, losses, uh, you know, paying the MGA for its services, which we're effectively we're paying ourselves and then uh, paying the carrier partner. And then, your, the remaining amount is, is is profit that we share with our carrier partner. Okay. Right. And I guess maybe like a typical insurer, are you guys able to invest in, you know, some say interest bearing assets or how quick is that turnover? Are you guys able to, you know, invest, uh, I don't know. And is it just mainly a bond portfolio, treasury, stuff like that? Or, or how do you guys typically work with that, with that regard? Yeah, that's a great question, Brett. Um, you know, the, the most insurance companies uh, invest uh, at, at duration periods that's consistent with their liabilities as an insurance company. And so when you think of automobile insurance, at least in our world, um, the, the liability typically is a 12 to 24 month liability at the, at the, I'll call it that, at the maximum. So 12 to 18, typically 12 to 24, worst case. And that, um, that, that's what they call duration. So the duration of your liability is 12 to 24 months. Well, you have to invest your capital uh, to meet that duration so that you can pay out um, capital to fund claims that have a duration in, in that period of time. So, the investment thesis or the investment approach to capital management in our world is typically short duration investments. So in this, this world that we live in today and we have been living in for you know, quite a while now is uh, your choices are fairly limited uh, in terms of maximizing yield in short duration uh, investments. So if you look at our balance sheet, you'll see that we're very heavily into cash uh, and we have some shorter term maturity investments, but for the most part, what we've done is we've kept ourselves in cash, which, you know, today looks like we've done a good job in terms of you know, estimating what the market correction uh, is and ha- is, is in the middle of. Uh, as we grow, my sense would be that we would expand beyond the cash piece into, I'll call it shorter, safer, uh, more liquid investments uh, that would typically you know, kind of include treasury securities and those sorts of things. So really not an aggressive uh, approach to the investment side of the business with the cash uh, that we receive. We try, to, we try to get yield where we can, but do it within a con- the construct of being conservative and protecting the capital. Makes sense. Uh- and you guys joined the public markets, I think, a little over six months ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you guys uh, joined via a SPAC. I'm curious why you guys chose the SPAC vehicle as opposed to uh, a traditional IPO. Um, well, you know, we eventually were looking to the equity markets, uh, you know, and, and so the SPAC uh, tool was was something that became available uh, and you know as we looked at the, the acquisition vehicle that it, it provided it was something that had a couple of advantages uh, vis-a-vis a traditional IPO the first one was they you can execute them faster and so uh, you know, t- traditional IPO can be 18 months um, SPAC IPO, we did in eight months. Uh, It's typically cheaper uh, from a a fee perspective, um, all the fees that you have to pay than a traditional IPO. It works well for companies that are established that have a revenue stream and an historical growth rate. 
which was our case. And, and so, you know, others have done what they have done in terms of the, the SPAC uh, mergers with target companies. In our case, the merger with Aldell uh, was um, a situation where Haggerty had a track record of a long-term track record of success uh, in the years five years prior to 2021. We you know we grew on average uh, compound you know, growth rate uh, roughly 29 percent, and our guidance for 2022 is 24 to 28 percent. Uh, in terms of total revenue growth. So consistent with historical performance. Um, the, the ability to have a track record then lends credence to the, to, the, um, to the projection that you're providing to investors in, in, a, SPAC pro, in, a, in a SPAC process. That includes the SPAC investor itself, as well as what they call the pipe, right? And, and so the pipe investor group uh, is part of the marketing process after you uh, align with a, with a SPAC. And again, the investors in that group, well, it depends on the, you know, the, the target, but you want to have long-term investment investors that come with you as part of the SPAC sponsor group, as well as uh, the, um, the pipe group. In our case, uh, we've had long-term relationships with Markel Corporation, uh, and they invested in the pipe, having also invested us in us back in 2019, and a very and they have a very large commercial relationship where they underwrite and, and are the fronting carrier partner uh, in the U.S. and in the U.K. Uh, we also uh, included in the pipe investor group uh, State Farm. Uh, State Farm is the largest uh, auto writer in the world. Uh, you know, roughly 48 million policies. And so we have a commercial relationship with, with them that we can talk about a little bit later, but they invested uh, a half a billion dollars in the pipe. So, uh, you know, kind of credibility to Haggerty and its, and its relationship with State Farm, uh, they were willing to uh, make an equity investment of that level and, and also uh, asked that their CEO uh, be uh, added to our board. So. You know, we think, you know, from a, the perspective of credibility, long-term in, investment horizon, uh, and the ability to grow over time and execute on our strategies, uh, in, in our case, um, you know, the SPAC and pipe process worked very well. Um, and so our next job, right, is to uh, steward that capital, invest that capital um, in, in, in our growth, and and that's what we intend to do. And in the first quarter, we, you know, we took a step towards uh, meeting our 2022 guidance. And uh, you know, we're executing every day, doing our work, and making sure that we do all the things necessary to return the capital right to our to our shareholders. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one, so you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Right, that makes sense. And let's hit on that State Farm uh, relationship. If you can, <sighs> what other details are there that you think it's important for investors to know about? Very key uh, piece. Uh, they they um, are bringing roughly uh, six hundred or forty thousand additional policies uh, with them, which is about thirty seven percent of our total today. So very large um, block of business. the The business will incept in the uh, fourth quarter of twenty twenty two. Uh, and since their policies are six month policies, the conversion uh, from their old program onto the Haggerty program uh, into a newly formed State Farm Classic Insurance Company. So they, 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 they stood up a dedicated carrier for us to put just our business in. Uh, and so all of that is in process, the development uh, of the systems uh, and integration with us and, and State Farm is 
is done. We're in testing phase. We're getting ready for Q1. So a couple other things. Uh, 600, 640 or so thousand policies. Um, you know, our average vehicle uh, vehicle amount of premium is about $300. So people can start doing the math and saying, okay, well, that's a sizable addition of premium. And it's coming in 2023, will incept in 2022 with a rollout of certain states. And then every couple of weeks or three weeks, we'll be rolling out, you know, chunks of other states such, such that, you know, when we get into the middle of 2023, most of the states will be uh, writing policies on the new platform. Uh, in terms of State Farm itself, uh, you know, we couldn't be happier with the relationship. Uh, we bring to them uh, our Haggerty Drivers Club uh, membership program, which they don't have. So we're able to provide to their clients and their agents uh, a lot of what we've built around the engagement piece of being in the collector car hobby. Um, it's, it's not really about an insurance transaction. You know, it's obviously compulsory. Uh, it's needed. But Haggerty isn't marketing itself necessarily as an insurance company. If you, if, if you, you, know, if you recall my intro, it's an automotive lifestyle brand with a purpose and a mission. And I never said the word insurance. And that's because we, we while insurance is a major product and, and, and absolutely the engine from a cash flow perspective to grow our business, we don't think of ourselves necessarily as insurance first. We think of member first. So all of our, how, how can we engage our members with products, services, events, uh, that they want to spend time on and they want to spend money on. And, and at the end of the day, you know, discretion, just getting more of that discretionary spend of an enthusiast, someone in this passion sector, uh, is what we try to do. Right? So give them something of value, charge the right amount um, in terms of, you know, what that value is worth to people, and then really engage and enjoy the hobby together. I mean, that's really what Haggerty's about. You now, I mean, you, you just talked about the Haggerty Drivers Club. So maybe can you give more context around that? What exactly is it? And then what are the long term goals uh, of the Drivers Club? Sure. Yeah. So Haggerty Drivers Club is a membership um, um, in a um, uh, it's a fee based membership. It's seventy dollars per, per year. And for that, uh, a member gets uh, several things It receive that person will receive a um, uh, a magazine six times a year, uh, which is that, you know, that very large uh, Cirque, Cirque magazine that I mentioned called Haggerty Drivers Club. Um, the, uh, the other kind of uh, benefits of the program include what you'd normally expect with roadside, but this is white glove roadside. So these are, these are uh, service uh, uh, you know, shops and uh, um, roadside shops that we've, especially uh, you know selected that have the ability to handle these kinds of vehicles if there's an emergency roadside event uh, they're not stacked on each other one car per tow um, white glove service uh, so roadside uh, important element uh, the other couple of elements is valuation so we have the largest valuation database in the world this allows us to understand what that what cars are worth and every car is different uh, uh, you know, you can look at a 67 Camaro and have an opinion of value, but if you don't understand what parts are in there and, and, and understand the dynamic of a serial number pre-81, uh, you might not understand that, that cer certain of those cars are worth more than others, uh, even though they look the same and they, they both have uh, make and model uh, that, that are the same. So understanding how important valuation can be to a buyer buying and selling so the transactional piece of the business uh, it's very important from a uh, insurance perspective so that i mentioned guaranteed value so the valuation piece of our research is shared with uh, the insured so they understand where the, uh, the the potential value lies for their vehicle and they can buy coverage insurance coverage up to that value or they may decide not to but at least we're providing that data to them 
So valuation is an important element. I mentioned the Haggerty Garage and, sh- and social uh, locations. Membership gets you into those clubs uh, so that you can go enjoy uh, cars and caffeine on a Saturday morning at one of our uh, locations, uh, uh, even if you don't have a car, uh, but you're a member of, of, of HDC. Uh, and then there's a series of discounts. A lot of our clients pay for their membership by simply acquiring um, automotive uh, parts, supplies, um, para- you know, sort of uh, automobilia, if you will. Uh, uh, they receive discounts with some of our, our affinity partners, and um, you know they effectively are paying for their seventy dollars with uh, discounts on things they need. I think of tires and that sort of thing. Have you found that there's a lot of, I guess, um, is the insurance uh, or are the people that are insured kind of a good top of the funnel for the driver's club? Is there a lot of cross-selling in that regard? That's a great question, Ryan. Um, So three out of four people who buy uh, an insurance policy with us first time, new business, adopt uh, HTC, pay for the membership. So it's very sticky, right? So you know you get three out of four people buying in to the membership, and then once the members, once they're members of Haggerty Drivers Club, uh, the retention rate is is is, is you know, in the mid eighties. So eight, you know, eight out of ten, eight and a half out of ten, stay with us the next year, and it's a little lower than, but close to our insurance uh, policies, our insurance. Uh, clients who are members, uh, we keep uh, our retention rate on insurance is 89 and 89%. So roughly 90%, nine out of 10 insureds, new insureds will renew with us. So we have, uh, so we call it stickiness, but we have this retention on the insurance that's high. And then we have, we have the retention on the membership, which is high as well. Uh, and a lot of that um, you know, we tie back to what we do for the enthusiasts. Our net promoter score is 82, which is very high in the insurance industry. I think the average uh, is uh, down in the 50s. Uh, and, and so differentiating our product, differentiating our service, having fun with it, giving, you know, uh, being where they are, the enthusiasts are, uh, and providing them, you know, what we think or they ask for, right? I mean, we do a lot of surveying and what would be a better experience, uh, better engagement for you. And we, you know, we, we answer the call with uh, uh, new product, new services or appendage, you know, appending the existing programs. Okay. I want to close things up on the insurance aspect. And I think this will be important for anyone that's trying to track you guys as a potential investment. What do you use internally to track or to evaluate the success of Haggerty's insurance business? Is it just your loss ratios, total premiums earned? And then I want to add in, I saw you guys do reinsurance. I'm not an expert in this field at all, but how does reinsurance fit into things? Uh, does it help? I don't know. How does it help you guys? Yeah, no, great question. A um, couple things. I mean, so what do I care about? We're a growth company. Uh, and being a growth company, I, I care about maintaining uh, what we put out in guidance annual total revenue growth of 24 to 28%, number one. Number two, keeping the clients. Retention is a powerful vehicle for us. Uh, uh, and so keeping that near you know, 89, 90% is key. Keeping our net promoter score at 82, that, that's, a, that's a score of, of, of loyalty and engagement uh, and brand. Uh, loss ratio, a uh, big differentiator for us. Uh, our loss ratio is 41%. Industry average is 66, 67. So we have a 25 point advantage, which allows us to take a portion of that $1 of premium and invest it differently. We invested in growth of membership, the investment in marketplace, the recent investments there. You know, we're able to invest because of that low loss ratio. Uh, the, that loss ratio isn't going, that $1 premium isn't going to pay claims uh, like at, or at the level it, it, it does in the, in the standard market. So definitely um, growth, loss ratio, retention. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, making sure that our uh, net promoter score 
uh, stays uh, right around that 82. Uh, in terms of reinsurance, uh, reinsurance uh, for us is a vehicle that provides two things. It, it keeps more of the profit, uh, the underwriting profit with Haggerty uh, versus its, uh, its uh, insurance partner. And the other thing that it does is it provides real capital, right? So it creates balance sheet, pop, uh, balance sheet strength. Uh, and so the first one, uh, we, I mentioned in our, our sort of our pie chart that, you know, the, the MGA receives 32 cents per dollar to start with and can earn another 10 cents up to 42. And then of course it pays its costs as an MGA for the sales, marketing, underwriting claims people that it, it employs. Uh, but the 10 cents, the 10, 11 cents I mentioned, what we do is we reinsure that. So the insurance company in the U.S. is Markel. Markel um, uh, initially would collect the entire 10, 11 cents. Uh, and we renegotiated that with Markel a few years back. Uh, and, and part of that was to enter into a reinsurance transaction with our newly formed Bermudian company to uh, begin to take a portion uh, of that 10 to 11 cents and, and started out at 25%. Uh, this year it's uh, 70% and next year will be 80%. So think of it this way, the MGA is doing all of the underwriting, doing all of the risk assessment um, and making uh, and pricing, if you will, um, the premium. <laughs> and that's because we have all the data. Um, uh, so the very business that we are writing as an MGA is the only business that we reinsure into the Haggerty Reinsurance Company. It doesn't it doesn't take risk for anything else? So effectively, it's you know it's basically underwriting our own or Haggerty Re is is sharing in the underwriting of a of our own sister company that's actually doing the work. So it's more share of profit, if you will. I mentioned more, you know, get a greater share of discretionary spend. That's what this is. Um, we have a similar arrangement with uh, 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 our uh, insurance partner in Canada, uh, Aviva. And so uh, we take uh, a quarter share there, a share of the profit for that business generated up, up uh, in Canada. Okay, that makes total oh, sense. Hopefully that uh, helps. Yeah, yeah, no, that helps a lot. Um, I guess you talked a lot about the new initiatives already, but just final questions on that. Anything you guys missed there that has you excited? Because um, I know you got a few things going outside of insurance. And how do you evaluate where to invest more capital for growth across these segments? And I'll throw an I'll throw an extra oh, question, hard question on there <laughs> too. I know we're giving multiple task. questions, but I uh, in looking through Haggerty, I. I was fascinated with the drive share business because it just, it, that looked really interesting to me. Um, what do you think of that? And then more generally to Brett's point, I guess, uh, how do you think about investing in those different initiatives? Yeah, key growth and value um, um, driver for us. Uh, I think we do insurance pretty well. I think we've, you know, we have the organic growth um, at a point now where it, it, it will yield sort of a, a I'll call it uh, um, contractual results, right? Because a lot of these uh, streams of income are contractual. The State Farm is a 10-year deal. We have other large partnerships that are multi-year deals as well. Our underwriting partnerships are all 10 years or more. Uh, so we're, we're with them for a while. And we don't have to sell one more policy to take advantage of the quota share laddered effect that I mentioned where next year would be 80%. And that additional 10 points is just going to come uh, through the bottom line uh, without selling one more policy. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, back to the marketing point, uh, in our case, parts of our growth are needed um, to be supported by marketing because of the contractual nature of, of uh the insurance side, the investment side, um, and we'll invest in the insurance side as it relates to platform development systems just on an ongoing basis. 
But the real fun part, the exciting part is, uh, and I'll start with drive share investment we made back in, made back in 2017. Uh, it's a peer to peer rental, um, uh, business where, uh, we have owners, uh, and, and most of the time they're clients, they're members that will actually offer one of their cars for rental in the specific market they live. Uh, and, and we're across the U S and uh, someone visiting Los Angeles might decide that they would like to take a drive uh, on the, the PCH. Uh, they can go on the drive share website, integritydriveshare.com. They can rent uh, an MGB. Maybe they want to rent a C8 vet and, for the weekend and uh, enjoy a drive up and down the PCH. Uh, it's, it's good margin business. It's growing. Um, uh, we, we rebranded it, uh, and we've invested in it in the last uh, year or so. So I, I, we're, we're, we're very, very excited about, uh, drive share and how it can grow. Uh, it's a component of what we're calling Haggerty marketplace, which we launched at the beginning of this year with our investment in broad arrow group. Uh, we invested uh, $15.2 million in, uh, 40% interest in this company. This company um, will provide uh, uh, a series of products over time, and we'll be announcing them as they uh, as they become ready. Uh, this is a buy sell marketplace, of which the drive share is a part. There's a rent piece of it, uh, the drive share. But the big the big opportunity is for us to take advantage of our data sets, um, and I'll get to that uh, an example in a minute, and provide what our members are asking, which is, can you give us a trust-based platform to, to buy and sell uh, collective vehicles? There are other sites out there uh, that, that some have been successful, some have not. Uh, but in our case, we see that business with a very large runway. Um, we, we estimate that in the U.S. alone, the transactional value of cars that are bought and sold uh, in in uh, any one year can approximate eight hundred to eight hundred fifty billion dollars. Uh, and as an example, in twenty twenty one, our members, Haggerty's members, uh, transacted two hundred and seventy thousand times at a transactional value of $9.6 billion uh, that we saw in our systems and in, in our data that we didn't collect the dime on because we hadn't launched Marketplace. Uh, now that it is launched, we have the ability to cap start capturing uh, the revenue flows from that book of business. There's really four businesses uh, that are being developed, one of, and then there's a fifth one that we've already developed and launched and announced. Um, and I'll start with the latter. Uh, that is uh, Haggerty Classifieds. So this is a classified site, currently member to member only. So in order to participate, you have to register as a member. And uh, we're very excited, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the initial take rate in terms of how many people are putting their cars up for sale on the classified site and how many transactions have occurred. Uh, and it's only been up for about three weeks now, maybe four. So very excited about that piece. Um, then the Broad Arrow Group team brings really four businesses. Um, one is live auctions uh, and Broad Arrow's team, management team, uh, came from a very large auction um, company um, and joined and, and created their own company. We uh, then had an opportunity to talk to them about how they might help Haggerty. Um, and, and so they are now partnering with us, not only from an investment perspective, but uh, we've hired a few of their uh, senior people to help us work through how we integrate live auctions, uh, digital auctions, so think of virtual auctions, which are becoming more and more uh, successful. Um, how do we then also integrate private treaty sales, which is a third element of a third business? 
And then, you know, believe it or not, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, our, our members and, and people, just enthusiasts in general, uh, do need uh, vehicle financing. Um, and and we, we think it should start at least initially at the higher end of the market, uh, higher end cars. So think of you know, anything over a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, people will finance those purchases. And we, we, we've created a financing um, capability uh, that's off our balance sheet. So it's other, uh, you know, other lenders balance sheets that we partner with uh, that is providing the, the loan. Uh, and Haggerty is um, managing that process, that financing process. So you've got live auctions, you've got virtual auctions, you've got private treaty sales, which is, you know, these are you and I getting together and just buying, buying and selling a car. Um, at the high end of the market, you know, the more expensive cars, a lot of, a lot of those transactions occur. So facilitating that, uh, we think, has, um, has some, uh, some upside for us. Uh, and then finally, the financing piece. So we're ecstatic that the team is here. We are now able to talk about it. You know, we could not talk about it last year, but it's been in development for quite a while now. And we're happy to start launching elements of it uh, in 2022. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that. Really, really excited about the marketplace. Yeah, those, no, those uh, new initiatives look really exciting. Uh, I'm going to end with, because I know we're getting close on time here. I want to wrap with the hard-hitting question. Are you a car collector yourself? I'm blessed that I'm able to do it. Yes, I, I have a C8. So I have a 2021 C8 convertible. I have a CLS 55. It's 2009, so a Mercedes uh, CLS, as well as a few others. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a car guy. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions we have. Fred, thank you for your time. Um, listeners, if you want to keep up with Haggerty, go to their website. I really recommend checking out the Drive Share, Drive Share site. I thought it was really cool. They have good information on there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, Fred, for your time. I want to remind our listeners that Brett and I are not financial advisors. So anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital. So clients may have positions in the securities discussed on this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. 